Hello, welcome to the Flatback 3 podcast. My name is Toby Wellington and I'm joined by Alistair Blackwell and George Turner on the final day of the Premier League season. I uh, I play that song about darkness because George, our resident Liverpool fan, has gone through all the emotions today. Liverpool missing out on the title by a point. City coming back from 2-0 down to beat Villa at the Etihad whilst Liverpool beat Wolves 3-1. Gents, how are you after an epic day in the Premier League? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been, a, it's been a big day for both of you, I guess, because obviously Alistair, our resident Aston Villa fan, uh, both representing their clubs today. I'm representing Cagliari of the Serie A League. Um, but obviously both of you have had a busy day watching your teams. George, I'll start with you. Got to be disappointed, I guess. You know what? I'm not that disappointed, which is a weird thing to say, because um, I guess it goes to like the classic saying, if someone offered you the League Cup, the FA Cup, Champions League final, second place behind City, like one point separating it, would you take it? I think you would. Yeah. Like, you know, we can still win the treble. Um, and... Yeah, we'll get into the, the game in, in a second. But we did our part in the end. Uh, it was a stressful game of football, I'm not going to lie. But um, yeah, looking at looking at the, the season as a whole, I think most, most Liverpool fans will be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive straight into it. I mean, we've got a lot to talk about today. So title race, relegation, top four, they were all being influenced by results today. There were some mid-table games that didn't really make much of a difference. But we'll start with Liverpool and Man City. Went into the day a point apart and I sat down. I didn't watch any of the live games. I watched BBC Sports like Football Focus live coverage thingy, um, final score, um, because they were bouncing around all the grounds showing the goals. And that's the way I wanted to watch today. And I sat down and I thought... Hopefully Liverpool can get an early goal, put the pressure on City. I turned it on at like five past and uh, Liverpool 1-0 down. <laughs> how, how was that watching it, George? Were you like, oh my God? <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll take you through even before that. I, um, I accidentally clicked on the Man City Aston Villa coverage. So I was like looking at the lineups first of all. And I was like, oh God, we ain't got a chance today. Looking at that Aston Villa lineup, like Martinez out. I just looked at that Aston Villa defence. Sorry, Alistair. I was like, oh, God. Like, we haven't got a chance today. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, as you say, Neto scored early early on. And I thought, oh, no. You know, already I was like, that was my depressive state of, <laughs> of how low I got throughout the 90 minutes of football. Um, yeah, that's when I was feeling quite low. Yeah, I mean, I... I have an affinity towards Liverpool, as you both know, and but as part of my overawing love of football. But I was getting stressed at the fact that Liverpool were being held because obviously Liverpool came back to equalise just before half time. Yeah, just before half time. Yeah, Sadio Mane, and the fact that City were losing and Liverpool were drawing, I was like, this is the worst way to not win the league. Mm. Is if if City lost and then Liverpool. Drew, um, but Liverpool obviously came back to win three-one. Overall, it was a decent performance. To be fair, like they outplayed Wolves from what I was 
watching and hearing. Uh, they ended up having like six forwards on at one point. Is that right? Yeah. They had like Firmino, Diaz, Mane, Salah, everyone. Oh yeah, we threw everyone on like with 55, 55 minutes to go. And I, I did like that because I think Klopp in the past has been criticised of keeping his not playing any substitutions or not using yeah. his substitutions in uh, throughout his tenure. But like, yeah, 55 minutes on, wax on Salah, then he puts on Firmino like five minutes later. But <laughs> Firmino did chip in with an assist, but mm. you'll see with the highlights later on, if, if it does come up, Firmino gives the ball away like at least three or four times, which mm. launched Wolves counter-attacks, like at least three or four of them. So I was sitting here, yeah, um, I, I'm a big Bobby Firmino fan, but uh, at that five-minute spell of the game, he, he wasn't my best friend, let's just say. No. Let's just say and let's talk about arguably the saddest moment of the day. Divock Origi officially is no longer yeah. a Liverpool player in the Premier League, got the Champions League final to potentially make mm. his last appearance. But how how sad were you to see Divock Origi walk off the pitch for the last time? Yeah, it was it was really sad, but also like when you asked me like how am I feeling, like it was actually quite a nice day, like in the mm. way that you got to see Liverpool fans do a lap of honour, Divock Origi have such a massive reception, and like it's is amazing because he obviously was a he wasn't even a Klopp signing, he's like one of the few that yeah one you know, few surviving Rogers signings yeah, and like he's he's just a hero, like he's a legend for a different reason. Like than your your Salas or your Suarez's or whoever you want to say, you know he's he's going to go down and people will always remember Origi because of those amazing moments he's he's had in a Liverpool shirt. Absolutely, and then let's uh, let's bounce to the other side of what was the title race today. And Alistair, I'm going to guess that you were watching City Villa today. You know what? I wasn't. So oh, probably. um. So I was in a pub with two mates and. Um, mm. And we, the pub was divided. So we had Liverpool and City fans and literally the pubs literally divided. So on one side of the pub, um, there's the City game going on. And on the other side, there's the Liverpool game. And we just happened to walk in to one of the sides and we didn't know which side and it was Liverpool side. So we just, um, but we had the Villa game on, on our phone as well. So we were watching both. Um, but yeah, like, you know, as a kind of neutral in terms of the Liverpool City kind of um, rivalry for the title, like it was really interesting to follow for the whole whole game. And um, man, like the whole Premier League was crazy today. Um, but yeah, as a, as a Villa fan, you just kind of you're going into that thinking, well, you know, we're going to lose 3-0, something like mm. that, easily. Mm. That the Etihad at City, they're in a big game and they need to mm. win. And, um, and yeah, going two, two goals up, like, there was a bit of hope. Like, you think, well, like, Liverpool were frustrating watching that game, thinking, like, flipping neck, they just need a goal and then they're ahead and it adds the pressure. And, uh, and, and City have to score three then. And, uh, and of course, they did. But... Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy, and it was just five minutes of madness from City, which Ridiculous. gave it to him really. Which was always yeah. you know, in a crazy way when you like it's crazy to say that it was still inevitable that yeah after oh. being two 0 down, but it just made it exciting. Like at least Villa gave it a bit of excitement by yeah. adding those yeah. two goals. 
um, and just being like, oh, okay, here we go. Like, so well, I remember when I remember when it went to the last day between I don't know if it was Liverpool, yeah, it was Liverpool City a few years ago, and they played West Ham at home, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, the same as going in today. It was like, oh, if West Ham can get something off City, Liverpool can win the league one 0 City. All right, okay, that's that's game over because West Ham aren't going to score a couple. Um, but yeah, it was interesting today. I think we we started to talk about it before we started recording, and it's definitely something worth talking about in that. None of us are surprised that City came back to win it. And none of us were like, at any point, at no point, even at 2-0, what was it, like 20 minutes to go? I wasn't like, Liverpool won this title because I was waiting for City's comeback. Yeah, there was a moment, I would say, halfway through the first half. I was feeling quite optimistic. So, like, my, again, my emotions went from really low and it like spiraled up to really like happy. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it's going to be our day. Because, like, even going into half time, obviously we lost Thiago, but Neto went off, who was causing us problems. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, at least we got rid of him. And then Jose Sarr went off. And I thought, oh my God, like, first, first choice goalkeeper. That's, that's amazing. He's now gone off. So I thought this actually could be our day. City's still losing. Even if we win, like, I don't think I expected City to come back and win. I thought when it went 2-0 down, when they went 2-0 down, I thought, oh, they'll come back and draw. I thought, okay, as long as we win, then it'll be fine. I didn't think they would, I didn't think they would win their match. But um, I just had this like feeling like we we were just gonna not win the match. And oh, mate, honestly, one of those things like. Obviously. The fact Liverpool, it would be it would be the worst way to not win a league title ever yeah. if you fail to win and so do your opponents. Like yeah. that would have been horrendous for anyone. I think even, even Liverpool when they went one nil down for me personally, like following them they, these teams, like even Liverpool, I thought well they'll still win. Mm. Like, in my mind, I I actually thought like they'll still score two goals and, and win this game. Um, and it was a shame, like, you know, obviously they went 3-1 up and they'd done their job. Like, yeah. They'd done any, everything they could. Um, so, like, when, George, you said about, like, uh, how, how about how disappointed you are at the start of the season, you took two cups in the final and second, you'd take it. Um, like, the way, you, the way you lost this title was not, you know, shameful. And, oh, no. And oh. it was... And, 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 you know, so many play- people have already said, like, they, they were both de- deserved, deserved of the title. Um, there was no title race in January, though. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. Think about it. They were, like, what, 12 points behind in January? Yeah. yeah. Like, they've done an incredible job to create a title race from nowhere, really, because it was, like, City clear, Chelsea, Liverpool, and, you know, whoever was in fourth at the time just cut adrift, and Liverpool somehow clawed them back. I mean... This season, you've like there is points in a season you've got to look at. Liverpool, it's Spurs at home the other night. If they beat Spurs, they win the title. But that's the way it goes, unfortunately. I I think it's worth saying that the powers of recovery that City have are quite incredible in the Premier League. I will caveat it because obviously we know in the Champions League they struggle. But like they did it against West Ham. They should have won 3-2 against West Ham from 2-0 down. You know, Riyad Mahrez missed the penalty. And you said you didn't think they were going to win, George. But I was watching the coverage and all the pundits were like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm watching. And I, honest to God, and I don't know if it's because I'm so hungry and so tired, I was just sat there like, 
I'm not like I wasn't that into it. I was like, I'm not. I still don't think City will lose the title. At no point did I feel like today, even at two 0 down, did I think City would not win the Premier League. <laughs> that was that was my feeling throughout. But like you said, Liverpool did their bit. City did exactly what they had to do. But you know, this City team going forward, imagine that with Erling Haaland. Like, oh, and if they Very. can get a better a better option at centre-back for when the other centre-backs are out, because Fernandinho did them no favours today. Um, but that's, you know, Pep Guardiola. What, he's, what he must say to them at half-time, I don't know, because in two weeks in a row, they've come back from 2-0 down to get two results that essentially have won them the league in the end. Mm, so, whatever he says, that is why he's paid the big bucks. That is why he is one of the best in the business. So we'll talk about the uh, top four in just a moment. Let's talk about the relegation scrap down at the bottom. We, I don't think we called this right in the end. I can't remember if we actually said Burnley would go, but, oh, Alistair, there you go. Alistair, did, no points in the quiz though for that. Um, <laughs> I don't know at any point we knew exactly who was going to go down though, because it's chopped and changed so much. I'm, I'm actually happier than I thought I would be that Leeds have stayed up and Burnley have gone because I like Burnley. I like Burnley a lot, but I'm really happy we've got Leeds in the Prem again next season. Yeah. yeah, I think we've touched on it before. Like We think we all think that Leeds are a Premier League club, so they deserve to be there. Um, I'm still sad that Bielsa's not at the club, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love the Bielsa-Leeds relationship. Um, I did hear on Sky Sports uh, the coverage after the Liverpool game like, I think Burnley are releasing 19 players at the end of the season or 19 wow. players are out of contract. So whoever takes on that role next season as manager, the team's going to look completely different. I think Burnley have needed a rebuild for a number of seasons. So if you look at the average age of their squad, it's over the age of 30. And they've got players like Eric Peters and Phil Bardsley who are well past their prime as their fullbacks. And I'm sorry, Alistair, but Matty Loughton, as their right back and Connor Roberts is another right back. Like they're not great players, but mm. what they need to do, they need to bring in younger players. They can't just continue to bring in players that are in and around their thirties and hope that it will pay off. Obviously it looks like the thing is, I suppose when Premier League clubs get relegated now, it's like Premier League clubs are so strong from one to 11. It's hard to see who, gets a move like who goes elsewhere because I was going to say it looks like they'll lose Nick Pope but where do you see Nick Pope going potentially if he does leave Pope's a good goalkeeper isn't he he so, is yeah, yeah. But, but who would but but who's going to spend like let's say they want 20 million for him which is probably a, an accurate fee mm. huh? that's nothing though 20 million yeah but for yeah but if you say who 20 million who's going to pay that for a second choice keeper because who needs a first-choice keeper in the Prem? That's what my question is. Fulham, maybe? Mm. Apparently, uh, well, Smeichel got dropped from Leicester last week, didn't he? I think there's rumours that he might be on the way out. So That's maybe... maybe. He could, yeah, he could be a good goalkeeper for any, like, bottom-half team, really. Mm. Yeah, um, definitely. I think that you could get him... I think you could get him for 20 million off Burnley, yeah. personally. Like, I don't think that they can ask that much. Is that another one who's probably going to leave? Say Who'd again? James Tarkowski? He's he's gone, yeah, end of contract. I don't again, I don't really rate him, but I think he could show up at like Everton or Newcastle or someone like that yeah. and do a decent job. Um, I mean, I'm not gutted to see Burnley go. I think Burnley have been pretty much ready to go down for the last two or three seasons. It's not been 
great the way the club's been run. They've not invested in staying in the Premier League. Like I say, they've not brought young players through, although they have a little bit in the last few games with Nathan Collins. But like we said, I'm really glad that Leeds are staying up. I much prefer to have Ellen Road bouncing every week in the Premier League than Turf Moor. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think uh, Veghorst as well, and you've got Corne. I think they'll get moves. Well, I think Veghorst, he must be a bit bit knocked, move, mm. move to uh, the Prem, and now he's already got to move again. Uh, well, I can't see him staying in the Championship, personally. I don't know. It depends a lot on the salary and whether in his contract he was able to, to keep a decent salary as a result of like a relegation drop. But I can see him comfortably getting a move back to Holland or Germany. Like that would not, mm. I don't think it would take long for clubs to be lined up. I think that he'd be a good signing for someone like Brighton as well, you know, like... yeah. Yeah. A team that yeah. doesn't score lots of goals. I think he'd be a good option for them, not necessarily a starter week in, week out. But um, yeah, it's really interesting to see what Burnley do next season because they definitely need to rebuild and they definitely need to recruit effectively. I don't think they'll be back up next season. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really care who goes in as manager. I don't think they're coming back. I don't think we're going to see Burnley for a while. No, I think they'll become sort of like a... A club ingrained in mid-table in the championship. And obviously we're looking forward to new clubs coming up. But hopefully Burnley will be back at one point. But I'm not in a rush to see Burnley back, mainly because I think they need to rebuild first, because I don't think the way that they run things at the moment is sustainable for the Premier League. Do you think um now Leeds are staying up? Do you think Calvin Phillips will stay? I think that the quoted price for Calvin Phillips is absolutely ridiculous. Is and if it's, a, it's between like 40 and 60 million that I've seen in the papers and online. And if a club pays that for Calvin Phillips, football's officially lost it. <laughs> because I think he's a good player and he does his job well. But is he that, is he that good? I don't think he is. I really don't think he is. Um, I would, if I were his agent, I'd be saying stay at Leeds, get a new contract, you know, become a legend. Yeah. But, I'm just going to say, know. well, oh, no, go on, go on. No, go on, mate, go on. I was going to change the topic completely. Go for it. I actually just saw this. It's a Villa thing, so you're going to be annoyed. Um, <laughs> I actually just saw it a second ago that apparently we've agreed to sign Bubakar Kamara from Marseille, free transfer. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's okay. I mean, Marseille are not anything special and players coming from French football are always tough to predict aren't they because you can never tell who's going to do well but well, the funny thing is like we've had two French midfielders well, two midfielders come from France who have ended up being great players um, in Adrissa Gay and um, Jordan Veritu I don't know if you're joking or not no I'm not joking they weren't great for Villa no, well, they were they were bang average, but when they left, Villa, yeah, they, right, they've gone on to be good players, right? Okay, yeah, no, I've got you now. I've got you now. That really confused me for a second. I was going to say Jordi Veritu did absolutely nothing for you. Oh yeah, he done bugger all, but afterwards it was it was all right actually. Oh, he's playing in the Conference League final this week for uh, for Roma against Feyenoord. So there you go. And Idrissa Gay is uh, a bit of a dick by what he's done this week. Well, yeah. 
I did see something really funny just to touch on it because obviously like we don't really talk about the political side of football or anything like that too much but Idrissa Gay obviously refused to take part in a game because he didn't want to wear a rainbow uh, number oh, on his back that, for PSG. That was, okay. that was because of his country's rule. Yeah. So you kind of have, you have to appreciate a I'm, bit. I'm not criticising, I'm not getting involved with it, but all I was going to say is it's really funny he doesn't want to wear it because of gay rights, etc. but then someone put on the internet, imagine how he's going to feel when he finds out what his last name is. <laughs> <laughs> Idrissa Gay. Oh uh, my god. <laughs> well, um, that is funny. Like, like we say, Leeds, Leeds will stay up. Yeah. Realistically, next season, where the Leeds finish, a whole season, they've got a pre-season under Jesse Marsh. I think Jesse Marsh is decent. I quite like him. I think that he's done okay. Like, I don't think he's done any worse or better than Bielsa would have done. But so not, I don't think mm-hmm. that no. sport, which I think needs changing up quite a bit so it needs it needs expanding the problem is it's always a risk when you change quite a bit of the squad and you need them to adapt quite quickly and settle in and and it does happen but it also doesn't happen so what needs to be expanded it's way too small and we've seen this season that when they get injuries they really struggle like they've been really lucky with the game today like They've not been lucky. They've done absolutely what they had to do. But, you know, it helps that Brentford ended up with nine men because they had made three subs, had a player go off injured, and then Sergi Canos gets sent off. Um, you know, 92nd minute equaliser last week as well. Like, they've, they've dug themselves out of a hole, but they've done it very luckily, I think is a fair way to say it. I think Leeds could do okay next season. I don't think they'll be in a relegation scrap. I see them finishing sort of 15th, 14th, just about away from it. Um, I think Jesse Marsh is a decent enough manager to pull them away from it. Is he a manager that can take them towards like top half finishes? No, I don't think so. But again, like you said, Alistair, completely depends on who they sign. There are rumours that they'll be taken over by a new owner. So again, it depends on the money that gets injected. We talked about it last week with Chelsea. Um you know, like depending on what comes in financially, we can never predict who's going where and who's doing what. Yeah. Let's talk about one last thing from the Premier League. Arsenal have missed out on the Champions League again. Uh, Spurs beat Norwich 5-0 to claim their spot in the Champions League next season. Son Hung Min, obviously equaling Mohamed Salah at the top of the goal scoring charts. So fair play to him. Um, are Arsenal flops for what they've done this season? Have they flopped? Because And should they be disappointed? Because they were, what were they, three points clear of Spurs going into the last three games, I think. And they've ended up four. finishing... Th- sorry? Last four. four. No, they were four points because even with the Spurs lost, they were a point ahead. There you go. So they've, they've managed to throw away that lead which is pretty impressive with three games to go especially because two of their last games were Newcastle and Everton and I know Newcastle have been on a resurgence but um, Everton get battered today 5-1 but you know Arsenal should they be disappointed have they flopped or is this an okay season for Arteta? Yeah I had them in the Europa spots to be honest with you I didn't see them getting in the Champions League this season. Neither Uh, did I but the question I would like pose at you there 
is not what are your expectations at the start of the season, but have they flopped as a result of what we've seen over the season? Because mm. you think about it, like I think it was is it March, mid-March, mid-February that they went on that run where they lost to like Southampton Palace and Brighton, which again, absolutely cocked up their chances of top four. So based on how the season has unfolded rather than where we expected them to be, because I'm just saying, didn't expect them to be in the Champions League, but should they be disappointed? It's um, it's quite funny. I just had a thought about it actually, because um, Arsenal, I always remember were the type of team who would have a really good start to the season up mm. until around Christmas. Then they would have a really bad like first few months of the year, and it would drop them down, and it would be like they've they've screwed up the chance of the title challenge or something like that. This was like five ten years ago, something like that, and then. Um, and then at the end of the season, they'd have this resurgence when they'd all of a sudden have some really good form. So it's like the start and the end of the season was like their best periods. And in the middle, they screwed up. And this time, it's the other way around. Like they had a really shit start this season, losing three games and that. And then they've just had this, you know, decent run up until like four, four games ago. And then all of a sudden, they've just ended up screwing it up again. Um, I think they should be disappointed personally. Like um, they they had their they had a big chance there to kind of solidify Champions League. Would have helped them with signings for next season as well. Mm. Oh, uh, definitely. And really pushed them on. And now all that's happened because I think they will get back there eventually. Like to a, a you know in similar position to Chelsea, maybe pushing the others a bit, maybe, but not you know maybe closing the gap. But I think it's just delayed that process. Um, by a year yeah. or two just because of, of what's happened really because they, they could have got a couple of good players which they need a couple of better quality players like a Gabriel Jesus for example um, mm. would have been in my opinion a perfect signing for them up front um, yeah, I, they won't get him now you know they, no, I'm, I'm certainly on the same page as you mate I think they should be disappointed as much as like you said George at the start of the season if you asked me where Arsenal would finish I'd have said like 6th, 7th or 8th like, I'm not thinking any higher than that so they've done well to get 5th like, don't get me wrong they've done well to come 5th based on pre-season but if you like look at it from your perspective George as a Liverpool fan if you were 4 points clear with 3 games to go at the top of the league and you didn't win the title you'd be really disappointed and I think that Arsenal although they weren't expecting to be there they have to be disappointed because there's a level of expectation when you're in a position and when you're in that position I don't like I can accept going to Spurs and losing Spurs are in good form but go to Newcastle be more difficult to beat and then take it into your own hands with Everton last game of the season but it's the way it's unfolded unfortunately for Arsenal I will take this conversation one step further is Mikel Arteta the man to take them forward or not nope never been a fan of him I just don't I don't understand why he got the job in the first place. Um, I think he's done a good job to get them where they are. And I think he's been very lucky, um, as I say, to get the job. But And he's learned from his mistakes as he's gone on. Um, he's definitely got rid of some dead wood in the sense of uh, Ozil and Aubameyang. Um, but if Arsenal are going to win titles, I don't think Arteta is the man for it. What makes you think that though? Is there something about the tactical way that he sets up, or is it his like dealing with transfers or the media, or is it just the overall package that he comes with that he's just not experienced enough? Yeah, I just don't. I don't think he's experienced enough for me. Um, I, I'm I also, very. 
So I was going to say, I also get really annoyed when people say like, oh yeah, but he's a club legend. It's like, well, he spent most of his career at Everton, so he's not really yeah. a club legend of Arsenal, is he? No. I'm, um, yeah, I'm really passionate about manager employment and I just don't think he should have got the job. So I just want him to fail. <laughs> Perfect. It's nice. Of you. <laughs> nice. Alistair, Arteta, the man for the job or no? Um, I think I'm divided still. Like it... It's, it's a difficult one to say. I don't know. I'd, I, I, I mean, feel like yes, but... Um, they've technically made progress because they've gone from eighth to fifth, but knocked out in both trophies in the early rounds as well. Yeah. So it just comes down to man, like manage, well, team management and that and over the season. And, it, you know, no manager becomes a great manager over one season and that it takes time. So... You know, I don't know how many seasons he's been there now. If, if it's a couple, three, it's still early days. Like, I think they've got to have faith in him and give him a couple more seasons, definitely. Um, he's just signed a new contract, new three-year contract this season. So he's yeah. got three years left. I would say that if he doesn't get Champions League or a trophy next season, I think he's in trouble. Yeah. If they regress next season, if they go down to sixth, seventh, and they don't win a trophy, I think he's in trouble of losing his job because, you know, he's not recruited well. As much as, mm. as much as they have recruited in the last summer, they haven't recruited well because the players that they brought in have not had a massive impact. Um, and then, like we said, these runs that they've gone on of poor results have really cost them in the end. And players that they were going after that they could have gone and got, they probably won't now as a result of not being in the Champions League. So, you know, it's it's really interesting with Arsenal, but we will, I'm sure, have more conversations about them going forward. I feel like we're quite subdued on the Premier League. George, for obvious reasons, uh, Liverpool missing out on the title. I, to give context to people, uh, am taking part in a study, so I've not eaten all, the, all of today. Uh, so I'm pretty tired. And Alistair has obviously been to the pub, so he's pissed. So um, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on to the. Uh, we're going to move on to the greatest number elevens in Premier League history. So in the past few weeks, to give everyone context, we have been writing out and coming up with the best team that have worn each kit number from 1 to 11 in the Premier League's history. Um, we've gone through quite a few players so far with quite a few to go. And this week we are looking at the best number 11s in the Premier League. I'm going to hand straight to George to talk to us about the Egyptian king, I should imagine. Oh, God, this, this was the hardest week for picking really? one. I don't know if you guys found the same. I've got a list. I've, I haven't even got a first place this week. Um, so I'm going to go for one name out of the three here. I've got a list about seven or eight names. Yeah. And I'll start off with a really strong contender. I'll go for Didier Drogba. Okay. Why have you gone Didier? Despite, he was the one player when I grew up. He was almost like the pantomime villain. I hated him growing up. I really despised him. Because he was like a tamer version of Diego Costa. He wasn't like aggressive, but he just like, he was like, I don't know. He was like a Pepe. He like played, you know, he's quite theatrical in his play. Always, always used to get the yellow cards for the defender for diving, all this sort of stuff. Um, but despite that, he is a Chelsea legend. I think if you ask any Chelsea fan who's one of your favourite 
number number nines or forwards. It's going to be Didier Drogba. He's had some amazing moments for the club. And um, yeah, I mean, he's obviously won it all with Chelsea as well. So I think he's definitely needs to be definitely needs to be considered. Yeah, 100%. I had him in my top three as well. Um, I won't say where, just to keep it interesting for now. Um, but yeah, and no, I absolutely agree. Drogba, who I, I can't remember how many, but he scored in basically like every Wembley final he played in, mm-hmm. I think, like all but one or something like that. He was an absolute machine. He didn't necessarily score as many goals as other strikers in the Premier League. Like his goal per game ratio wasn't as good as others. But what he brought to Chelsea in terms of his physicality, like you said, like like Diego Costa, the ability to play into and off of him made Chelsea much more effective going forward. And then his connections with players like Lampard coming forward from midfield, it was a match made in heaven for Chelsea. And like you say, won literally everything, including the Champions League in his last game. So mm-hmm. his last kick of a ball for Chelsea, let's never forget, is that Bayern Munich penalty. So what a way to win the Champions League. Alistair, did you have Didier Drogba in yours? Yeah. Do you want to give us? Do you want to give us another one? Yeah, I'll go for maybe a tiny controversial one. Um, it's probably quite controversial. You might you, you might agree or disagree. Um, James McFadden. How did you guess? Oh, absolute uh, great. Uh, Meza Özil. Ooh, controversial. Uh, Very controversial. So I know overall, um, like he had a lot of bad seasons in the end. Um, a lot, but when he was on a good season, he had a good season, and um, and I remember that. I tried to remember that. <laughs> Your justification is so bad so far. I'm not within this so far, but no, I just like when you take the prime Urzel with Arsenal, probably around like 2010 to 2012, was it something like that? Um, he was class, man, like he was so good, and he you just could not. Like he was um, he was unplayable at times. Like the balls he played, um, the assists he got, and some of the goals he scored, I just think were like memorable. And uh, and even though it wasn't a long season, you, what are you searching up? <laughs> I just want to look at something. Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> because you said when he was really good, like 2010, 2012, and I was like, isn't it? That would have made him like 2021, 20, and I'm almost sure he was at Real Madrid at that time. So yeah, he was he joined Arsenal in 2013. So. <laughs> when he was at the peak of his powers, he was playing for another club. So. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, Alistair is right in that in that period. He was very good. Mm, he was great for Madrid. <laughs> I swear, I, the only reason why I thought that was because one of my mates was an Arsenal fan, and I I just remember being at school with him and him saying like always raving about him. But maybe it was a Man, that's so crazy. Like, time goes so quick. Time does fly. I don't think that Mesut Ozil could possibly get anywhere near this number 11. I've got him in my list, but if I were to rank them, I'd actually have him second bottom. Well, to be fair, I've only got like four, five on my list. So I've got one. Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six. I've got eight and he'd be Mm. he'd be seventh. Yeah. But that's only because it's it's because of the overall like picture of his work. Like, yeah, on his day as like playing in his position of a 10, unbelievable, like unbelievably talented. Like there's no doubt that he was a great player, but what he did in the Premier League, yeah, I don't think he did that much that deserves recognition on this level. But I think he's a good shout as like an honourable mention for sure. 
Mm -hmm. um, for. Oh, well done. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with another Arsenal legend, um, one that's actually a bit more of a legend than, <laughs> than Ozil, um, Robin Van Persie. Yeah, I, I had him in my list as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just think Robin Van Persie, because you can look at him for two different clubs, and for both clubs, he was a difference maker, goal scorer, won Premier League titles, won FA Cups, League Cups, never won a Champions League, Robin Van Persie, but did get to the Champions League final with Arsenal in 05 06. Yeah. 05 Yeah, it would have been 05 06. It was the year after the Liverpool final. Mm -hmm. um, you know, went went to that final, scored some unbelievable goals in the Premier League. Um, outside the Premier League, like did a great job for Holland as well. Um, and I just think that he doesn't. He's another one of these players that we bring up that I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves as a top top striker in the Premier League. Like, mm. if you think about the transition period that he was a part of, where Henri left Arsenal, they moved to the Emirates. He was the glue that held them together. And then when he decided it was time to move on, he walked into Man United's team that were winning trophies left, right and centre and won the Premier League in his first season. Like, an out, he's an outstanding player and also, like, someone that could, in theory, play in a multitude of systems and positions. Like, he could play off the right or left if you wanted to. He could play off another strike. And I'm sure that if you gave him the opportunity, like, he could play in a 10. Like, I think he's... I think he was absolutely class. Mm. So, yeah, Robin Van Persie. George, why did you have it? Yeah, I, he was actually, he was one of the first names I had down. It's actually quite a nice surprise when I did my bit of research before and I was like, oh, yeah, Van Persie, of course. And, like, just what a left foot. Just some of the goals. If you just, if anyone's listening to this, like, just type in Van Persie. Like, his volley, his volley against Charlton and his oh. other volley against Villa. So Villa, he that was in the win to secure the title for United, but his volley against Charlton for Arsenal was arguably his best goal. Like incredible. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Great goal um, scorer, and like also comes across as like a nice guy as well, from what I've seen in interviews and stuff like that, which I yeah. know doesn't mean a lot necessarily for this. Maybe but to that. <laughs> in terms of if we were in terms of That's talking about but we were talking about Drogba and the way that he played. Van Persie was very much the opposite of that. Never, never really seemed to dive around much. So I really like Robin Van Persie. I'm not. I didn't actually have a one, two, and three this week, but I'm convincing myself that I think I want Van Persie to be our number eleven. But we'll uh, we'll go back around once more each. George, do you want to give us a second number eleven? So we've had okay. Van Persie and Ozil. Right. In that case, I'm not actually going to go for Salah as my other choice. I'll probably have him in my top three. Um, but every Liverpool fan listening to this will probably think, George, what the? why do you keep picking Man United players all the time? But we grew up in an era of when Man United were really good. Well, can I ask why you're not picking Salah? Well, I'll, I'll just, yeah. So the reason I'm picking Ryan Giggs is because of the longevity thing. I know we talked last week about Gary Neville, but I genuinely think Ryan Giggs is an, an amazing player. Both played left midfield and centre midfielder, like, so amazingly. And um, didn't I think he did keep up with his record, didn't he? He scored in every Premier League season. Every season he, he played in. Yeah. So I think the longevity of Giggs trumps Salah at the moment. 
because of what he brings, what he brought to the team. If Salah stayed at Liverpool for another 10 years, maybe he'd be in my team. Getting to the age of, getting to the age of 39, running well, up and down the wing. I think that's when Giggs left or something, wasn't it? You think he was late 30s? Oh, yeah, I mean, Giggs was in his late 30s. I mean, it's just that I don't think that Salah will have the prolonged impact because Giggs won so much earlier in his career. He wasn't really a big part of United towards the end. Obviously, the last two or three seasons, he played very much a bit part. But... I don't think that anyone can deny that Ryan Giggs is one of the best players to have played in the Premier League. Alistair, did you have Giggs in your list? I'm assuming you did. Yeah. 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 I mean, choice, so. George, I always do mine off memory. I know you do research. How many titles did he end up winning? Do you know? It would have been the same as Neville, I suppose, if not more. Because he stayed around a couple more years. He will have won more than Neville, for sure. I think he probably won, like, 13, 14? 13. 13, which is ridiculous. Like, I think that may actually swing the argument, potentially, depending on what we're looking for in our number 11. Because we've got to remember, and people listening have got to remember, this is done on preference as well, like who we think we would like in a team. Um, And we've also got to think about if this is going into a formation, if we're actually going to think about it from that way. Um, Because I'm just going to have a quick look back at what formations we've sort of talked about before. Um, But yeah, no, Giggs definitely deserves a shout in there. So they're either going to, really, they're going to play on the wing. So it's going to be Van Persie off the left or Giggs or Dropper playing in a front three. Mm. So it'll be interesting. Alistair, do you want to give us another shout? Well... Go Salah then. <laughs> let's let's talk about Mo Salah because he will inevitably be a Premier League great for what he's done. But what is it that makes him a great to you? I don't I don't think I'd say he makes a great yet. Um, I probably I'm probably just extending what George said really and kind of justifying <laughs> why he said gigs instead. Um, give him you know if he stayed in the Premier League and give him more seasons then it would push him towards that it's a shame he had like a bad spell at Chelsea um, yeah. because obviously that was in a, a bit earlier stages of his career so um, it kind of didn't it kind of it was a, it was an important part for him to leave there and then come back and maybe yeah. that he is today but obviously in terms of longevity in the Premier League that kind of hindered it a bit but being at being at Chelsea in the reign of uh, Mourinho like De Bruyne was in that situation he was a Guerrero turned down from him and yeah so so it's like um, so you know it was part of that process but like you know you can't deny the fact that in the last what three four seasons or so he's he's been insane so like he he is you know he's probably uh, in terms of form and what he's done in the last like three four seasons you could argue to a certain extent, within reason, um, like he's as much of he's he's kind of pushed slightly pushed the boundaries of what Ronaldo and Messi were to a certain extent. Not not mm. all the way because those two players are just ridiculous. But like he's definitely pushed that barrier, and because of that, like you have to kind of open your eyes, stand up, and look like, oh, okay, like Salah is a class player. Um, and you'd have him in any team, um, but you know I, I'm not personally like I've, I say Salah for number eleven, but you know the other ones in my opinion are, are already kind of justified to be um, the ones yeah. 
other than that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, George, from a Liverpool perspective, Salah has brought so much consistency and quality to Liverpool. Mm. Like, what, what is it about Salah that you think makes him such a good player? I think it'd be interesting to see what you guys think as well. I think this has been Salah's best season, like, watching really? his every game. Yeah, I know he's, he's been off the foil since the AFCON. Um, and, like, funny enough, understandable, I by the way. Yeah, and I watched him today, and he is quite frustrating to watch. Um, in the sense that he does give the ball away quite a lot and perhaps his final product isn't always what you want it to be. But I think his link-up play this season has been the best it's ever been. Like, leading up to AFCON, I thought, and I'm going to say this, I thought I was what... It, it reminded me of Messi, in a way. Like, the way he took the ball, he was able to dribble past people like they weren't even there. And I thought some of the goals he was scoring before Christmas, I was like, oh, my God, that's like Messi-like. And just the way he seemed to like, yeah, he wasn't so selfish. And I thought that's what was missing from his game in previous seasons. Yeah, that's what we had previously thought about as well. Yeah. So I think if he can keep that up, like, yeah, he's like, like Alistair says, he will keep pushing that Ronaldo, Messi sort of like conversation. He's in that Um, bracket. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's... amazing though, like how that just, because I remember someone saying... Like since the Afghan, he's only scored like two in seventeen or something before today, maybe, and um, like just ridiculous, like how that Afcon really affected him. Um, whether it's the game time or whether it is the actual final itself and losing it, and um, but just before that, like you said, hundred percent, I could I couldn't agree anymore. Like he was messy esque in like his play, his goals, some of those goals he scored, the one where he's like ran, weaved past two or three players. Mm. And just kind of like, I didn't think he just dinked it or slotted it into the near corner. It's just like unbelievable. Um, it's like, lost it's, it. all, it's also, I, do you know the goal that sticks out to me with Salah this season? And I know we've gone off on a Salah tangent now, a Salangent, if you will. But um, yeah. Salah, his best goal for me was the goal away at United. Do you remember the third, the, the fifth goal away at United, George? George, especially from a Liverpool fan, sorry. But, um, like Henderson and I think Cater like pressed Pogba in the middle. Henderson played a ball through with the outside of his foot and Salah took it on his right foot, played it in front of himself, took it right up to De Gea where it looked like he was going to get the ball taken off and then just dinked it over him. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just doesn't that, yeah. Like, it, he just doesn't look like he's going to miss when he's through one on one. He's one of those players. I love Salah. Like, I think he's class. And it's really weird like, to think. The trajectory he's had. He went from Basel to Chelsea and didn't really do anything at Chelsea. He went to Fiorentina and Roma and his numbers weren't that good. Mm. But he's come to Liverpool and it just proves that if you play in the right system under the right manager, you can become a completely different player. And yeah. he deserves all the credit for that. And Klopp deserves a lot of credit for what he's done for Salah's career. Um I'm going to make one more suggestion. First and foremost, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess this isn't the week where James Milner finally gets into this team, is it? He was on my list. <laughs> yeah, me. But I'm going to, I'm going to like have an honourable, because we've mentioned my top three. We've mentioned Salah as well. Um, I'm going to make one honourable mention that could be in this conversation maybe, but on a, on a very different level, because he's not won a lot of trophies. I don't think he's actually won any trophies. I think he might have won one or two when he moved clubs briefly. But for what he's been for a specific club, I've put Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, I had him on my list as well. 
Oh, okay, cool. Because I just think that for a player that is essentially, he is essentially Crystal Palace. Like he is, if he plays well, Palace play well. If he plays well, Palace tend to win. And if he plays badly, Palace don't tend to get anything. I just, I feel like he deserves some recognition for being one of, not necessarily one of the best ever, but certainly in the last 10 years, I'd say Wilf Zaha is one of the best number 11s going. Yeah, I mean, he's a Crystal Palace legend. Like he's been there for years, you know. Um, Scored the the winner today of all days as well. Against Man United. Yeah. I mean, I think people might, Say, oh, he's, he strops and all this sort of stuff on the pitch. Maybe his behaviour's not great, but you know what he yeah, brings Eric, to the club. Eric Canton, Eric Canton, I'll kick the fan in the face, and people love him. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, Will, I, I just think Will Zaha deserves a shout out because, like, in terms of again, it's one of those things like achievement-wise, it's not very much. But in terms of like goals, you got to think about it as well. He scores a lot of goals, and he is a winger by trade, so he's not getting these numbers by being up through the middle and taking penalties. Like, it doesn't take penalties for Palace most of the time. So mm. I think he deserves a lot of credit, deserves a shout out. The, the toughest thing now is deciding who we put in this team. Um, yeah. I personally think it's between Van Persie and Giggs, but I'm happy to be talked out of that if you think that Drogba or Ozil, Alistair, deserves a better <laughs> shout. <laughs> what do you guys think? I think it's out of Drogba and Giggs. I wouldn't, as much as I love Van Persie, maybe from a trophies point of view, but I, who would you guys prefer up front, Van Persie or Drogba? It's one of those things. Well, it's one of those things that are we going to think? And this is the thing, like, this is why this is so much fun to do. Are we thinking about this as an actual team that we are putting out on the pitch because we've got Alan Shearer up front in the number nine? So are we going to play Shearer and Drogba? Because if so, Drogba. Or are we playing three? Because in which case it's Giggs or Van Persie. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm only um, going to personal preference for this because you could have any three of those. Personal preference for me, genuinely, if like we keep it based on Drogba, Van Persie, would be Van Persie because I, mu- I preferred the way that he played. And... I, yeah, I think I just preferred the footballer he was without sounding like a, you know, I'm not a not, I'm not not a Drogba fan. I like Didier Drogba a lot, but I just personally prefer Van Persie. But yeah. I think, I think we have to think about formation for this because if we pick Drogba, we have to go on the assumption he's going to play up front as a nine alongside another striker. Is that but fair? Is this the point where we actually set on formation as well? I think we have to because it's one of those things where we are playing a back four. Like we've decided a back four already because we've already picked a right and a left back. The other thing to say is we've picked Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. And that's a, that's a winger in theory. So, yeah, the way that I sort of wrote it, I don't know if you'll be able to see this, is the, the, the one there. Yeah where we've got an 11 and a 7 either side of a 9. So what do you guys think? I'm happy either way. Well, we can change the formation. That's the thing. Mm. I'm just trying to think of it like as a, you know, when you like, say, going on like a Liverpool example, right? So like Liverpool 10 years ago, you just think of Steven Gerrard, don't you? Like who's the standout name out of those three? You're thinking, right, who am I going to build my team around? 
and like <laughs> I think I'm heading towards Drogba or Van Persie now because I think you build teams around them. Are they more impact players than gigs? I think I and this is good, this could sound bad, and I think that Man United fans listening to this might think that we're just being biased away from them. But was Ryan Giggs at any point the best player in his position in the Premier League? Yes. Was he the yes, best winger indeed. in the Premier League? He was a consistent player, and he got a so, good season every season, but he wasn't the best at any time. And all, and can I also say, and this is just another point to discuss. Was he actually just, well, not sorry, just, but like, was he actually in the end a part of what was a fantastic unit as Man United, whereas Van Persie and Drogba had to prop up Chelsea and Arsenal a lot of the time? Because you think about like that Champions League final, Drogba, that header from the corner, and you think about Van Persie for United winning the title, for Arsenal scoring goals that won them trophies as well. Um, I just I think it's Van Persie or Drogba, and I personally go Van Persie, but I'm happy to go either way. To be honest, I'm really I'm stuck on this one. This is a toughie. Yeah, I know. Um, all right, sh- I'm happy to shorten it to Van Persie and Drogba as well. Then I think <laughs> just purely like you said, like I think Giggs was a part of a unit that just made the Fergie era so you know swimmingly and made it so good. So. Swimmingly, swimmingly, That's an interesting word. Yeah. Um, Alistair, what would you go for if if you had the choice? If you have, you know that Ronaldo and Shearer are in this team. I think that's what you know actually what? would. You know I think what? that sways me. You know. I, I I have to double check because I cannot remember. But Drogba is right footed, isn't he? Yes. All right, let's go, Percy. He's a left footer, and that swayed it for me. That's the game. George, yeah. um, I'm thinking I'm outvoted. So, but I, I think I, Van Persie's a top quality player. I think I would, I would stray towards uh, Drogba. But mm. yeah, um, I I'm, think I'm ha- my decision came from like, like you said, we've got Shearer, Ronaldo. I would have Drogba, but let me pose this to you. Just changes it a bit. Let me pose this to you. They both won very similar amounts of trophies. That's fair to say. Okay. One thing that I've just looked at quickly to sort of sway the argument again, maybe, is that Van Persie scored 96 goals in 194 games. Didier Drogba scored 100 in 226 games. So goals per game ratio, Van Persie was far superior as well. So as an actual goal scorer, Van Persie's better. Yeah. Does that sway the argument? As a yeah. forward, as a forward line player for us. I mean, I, I've already said my bit, so I'm I'm happy. I suppose we've already got a, a target man in Shearer as well. So I think yeah, we're going go Robin on, Van Persie. I think we've gone Robin Van Persie, which is by no means a bad selection at all. I think that's a really good choice. Robin Van Persie makes it into our 11 then as the number 11. Um, The assumption is then that we're going to play Shearer, Ronaldo, Van Persie as a front three. So we've got an eight and a 10 in front of Gareth Barry to select. And we've also got to pick both of our centre-backs at number four and number five. I picked 11 as our number to go for. I'm pretty sure that Alistair... No, George picked two. 
didn't no, it? Pick two. So, George, it's on you for the next number. So you've got eight, ten, four, and five to pick from. Let's go for number four. Number Van Dyke. Um, so number four, <laughs> Van Dyke Company question. Great. Look forward to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so next week we will be talking about the greatest number four in Premier League history. Let's move on to the biggest moment of this week's quiz, though. This uh, this week's podcast, which is the quiz. Uh, for anybody that's listening for the first time or hasn't been keeping up to date, we have had a hell of a season on the quiz. So Alistair and George have been going head-to-head every week in a quiz that I've made up in the week preceding the Premier League's fixtures. This week, we go into it with the winner. Well, so, well the winner wins, but the loser has to wear their... Um, their club's rival's shirt for the whole of next season, let's say, on every podcast. I think that's probably fair. So Alistair will have to wear... Are we saying Birmingham for you, Ali Pally? Yeah, I suppose so, isn't it? So Birmingham for Alistair. And George, we, George, you can either go Everton or United. Uh, oh, I don't now, know. I think, I think United are probably your biggest rival, so we'll go United. Yeah. I think that will hurt you the most. Um <laughs> I mean, I I pick most of their players every week for this one to eleven. So. We'll get you. We'll get you one with gigs on the back. Um, <laughs> we've we've got a score line coming into this week. The score is Alistair on thirty two and George on thirty three. Now this week's quiz is a twenty question quiz, one to twenty, and each question is about each club. So one is Arsenal, two is Villa, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There is a tiebreaker if. We finish on a draw. Okay. Wonderful stuff. Uh, we can because some of them are multiple choice. And if you don't get it, then I can't throw back to you to have another go after two have been eliminated. I feel like that might be a bit unfair, but we'll see how we go. So the first question, I will tell you beforehand whether you need to shout out or, well, no, you need to shout out for all of them but I'm going to tell you before if it's multiple choice or not. So the first one is not a multiple choice question, and it's about Arsenal. So Arsenal have one of the youngest average ages in the Premier League this season, but who is the oldest player to have played for them this year? Oh, the tension. Lara. Go on, Clara. Let's go with Leno. It's not Bernd Leno, but not a bad guess. George, it automatically comes to you and then I can open it back up because this is not multiple choice. Okay. Uh, I'll go for Aubameyang. It is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Good choices, George. Yeah. Aubameyang, the oldest by, I think, like a year or so above Lacazette. So 1-0 to George this week, 34-32 overall. Um, Aston Villa question next. Go, this is going into the last weekend of the season. Aston Villa have won 13 games this season. Have they won more at home or away? Clara, away. You are correct, sir. Aston Villa have won seven games away from home and only six at home. So, 1-1 one, one on the night. Uh, 
I've just realised that I haven't been writing down who's got the points, which will get really confusing after 20 questions in a moment. <laughs> okay, third question is for Brentford. So in their first top flight season, Ivan Tony has led the way as their top goal scorer. But who is their top assist maker? Is it A, Ivan Tony? B, Brian and Bamo? C, Christian Eriksen? Or D, Barrett. Sergi Canos? Oh, Alistair. I'm going to go with M Bamo. It is Mbuemo. He's gone in there early and he's got there. Well done. Yeah, so Brian Mbuemo. That's like, oh, yeah. So Brian Mbuemo. Uh, number four is obviously a Brighton question. So recently, the player of the season was voted for by Seagulls fans, but who won their player of the season award? Was it A, Danny Welbeck, B, Robert Sanchez, C, Leandro Trossard, or D, Mark Cucurella? Lara. Oh, that was so close. I actually don't know. I think it was George. Uh, Trossard. It's not Trossard. Ooh. Alistair, it comes to you automatically. Do you, can you give me the ad questions again? Yeah, so who was their player of the season? Was it A, Danny Welbeck, B, Robert Sanchez, or D, Marco Cucurella, C, Leandro Trossard is gone? Welbeck. It's not Danny Welbeck. It was actually Mark Cucurella. Oh, oh a new left back from Barcelona. So, uh, good. There we go. That's why we can't have a draw. Um, <laughs> so, number five is on Burnley. Mike Jackson, again, this is all before the last weekend of the season, so not including today. Uh, Mike Jackson took caretaker charge after Sean Dyche was sacked late in the season, but how many wins have Burnley secured under Mike Jackson? Uh, is it three, four, five, or one? Uh, three. It is three. Oh, George, you might want to you might want to start reacting here in a moment, son. Yeah, it is uh... three. Okay, number six is Chelsea. So Chelsea have lost two domestic cup finals this season, both on penalties, but they have won a trophy this season. Which trophy did Barrett. they win? The Community Shield. It was not the Community oh, Shield. The other one. Damn it. <laughs> So they have won a trophy this season, but it wasn't the two domestic cups that they lost. Darn it. George, yeah. what trophy did they win? Can you read out the options? Because I don't want to get the name wrong. There are no options, mate. Oh, really? All oh, right. Um, I know what it I know what it is, but I don't know what it's called. It's like the uh I can give you like some flexibility on it, as long as it's not completely wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh oh, what's it called? It's like the <laughs> European. Super Cup or something. Yeah, I say that. European Super Cup. No. What's it called? Apologies, no. They won the uh, they won the Club World Cup. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So they won the Club World Cup. They lost the uh, Super Cup to Villarreal. Oh. Okay, number seven, Crystal Palace. Uh, so who was Palace's most expensive signing last summer? This is multiple choice. Was it A, Odson Edouard from Celtic? B, Mark Gehi from Chelsea? Barrett. C, oh, he's gone early again. Own Edouard. It's not Odson Edouard. So, George, you get the rest of the options and as much time as you want. So, was yeah. it Mark Gehi from Chelsea, Joachim Anderson from Fulham, or Connor Gallagher from Chelsea? Ooh. I think it's definitely not Gallagher because he's on loan. So it's, it's a little trick one in there for you, though. Yeah, it's like Gahey or Anderson. I think Anderson was like eight million. So I'm going to go Gahey. You are right. Gahey 
was 20 million they paid Chelsea for Mark Gehi. Really? So George oh. gets a mark. He's back on the board. That's George's first right answer for a little while. So number eight is an Everton question. And just to rub salt in the wounds for Everton after a terrible season, Everton were knocked out of the FA Cup in the third round by which of the following championship clubs? Was it A, Luton Town, B, Queen's Park Rangers, C, Coventry City, or D, Derby County? Okay. That was just George Turner. Uh, it was A, Luton Town. It was not A, Luton oh, Town. No. I love that. I love that. Oh, can you say the others again? The options again. So you've got QPR, Coventry, or Derby County. I'm going to go with... George is gutted here. I don't have a point, to be honest, but I'm going to go with Coventry. It's not Coventry. Oh. It was actually Queen. It was actually Queen's Park Rangers. Okay. On, penalties after, on penalties after a 2-2 draw. So there you go. So number nine is Leeds. Leeds appointed Jesse Marsh in what month to replace Marcelo Bielsa? All right. Go on. Let's go with January. It wasn't January. George. Oh, it's not multiple choice. Uh, <laughs> I keep waiting for you to go, hey. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep forgetting to tell you. <laughs> uh, well, it's not January. I feel like April's way too late. Oh, let's go for March. It's not March. It was actually... The 28th of February is the very oh. last day before March that they appointed him. Uh. Okay, next one is multiple choice, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Liverpool question. Who were the first team to take points off of Liverpool this season in the Premier League? Was it A, Man uh, West Ham United, B, Chelsea, C, Man City, or D, Crystal Palace? Woodgate. Go on, Woodgate. Chelsea. Was Chelsea after a 2-2 draw at Anfield. That was the one where Reese James handballed it on the line as well. So, going on to Leicester City, this is multiple choice again. So, who has made the most Premier League appearances for Leicester City this season? Is it A, Timothy Castagna, B, Patson Dacca, C, Ayotzi Perez, or D, James Justin? Claret. Go on, Claret. James Justin. It's not James Justin, I'm afraid. Can you read out the options again, please? Yeah, so you've got Timothy Castagna, Patson Daka, or Ayotse Perez? Uh, Castagna. It is Timothy Castagna, only by literally one appearance over Patson Daka, but there you go. <laughs> Multiple choice again for Man City. Which of these teams did City not score two or more goals against at home this season? A, Everton, B, Leicester, C, Leeds, D, Wolves. Clara. Woodgate. It was Wolves. just... I was going to say it's just Alistair. Oh, shit. Sorry, mate. I didn't... didn't... I'm not going to lie. You... Can you just tell me the, que... the the answers again? Because I, I forgot the second one. Whatever the second Everton, one. Everton, Leicester, Leeds and Wolves. Let's go Leicester. It's not Leicester. George, you are right. It was Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry. He was right. Uh, did he? Did you say it? Did you? He already said it. Oh. So when I was just about to throw to you, he went wolves. I was like, well, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> uh, oh, right. I think George has just moved ahead, but I haven't been keeping track of the overall scores. So, ooh. oh, number thirteen is Man United. So, what is higher 
for Man United this, this season? Their goals per game or goals conceded per game? Woodgate. Go on. Goals per, uh, conceded. It's not, which means that Alistair automatically wins the point. <laughs> <laughs> because it's that time victory. I should have waited. <laughs> yeah. So I, that guess, unfortunately, but... that goes straight to Al. <laughs> okay. Number 14, Newcastle. Okay, after new owners and money came in, Newcastle were linked with nearly everyone on the planet in January. But how many signings did they actually make in total? Was it A, 4, B, 5, C, 6, or D, 7? Claret. Claret. Let's go with five. Oh, that's a good guess. It is five. Absolutely superb. Wonderful stuff. Okay, number 15, Norwich City. So, Dean Smith joined Norwich partway through the season after he was sacked by Villa and he won his first game in charge but who did he beat? Was it A. Chelsea B. Brentford C. Watford or D. Southampton? Clara. Yes, Clara. I want to say it was against Brentford. Is that your answer? Yeah. It's not Brentford. Okay, so it goes to George. George, you've got Chelsea, Watford or Southampton? D, Southampton. It is Southampton. Do you remember the score by any chance? I think it was like 1-0. It was 2-1 and, and yeah. embarrassing. Grant Hanley scored. <laughs> <laughs> the original slabhead. So from one Southampton to the next. So Southampton, who is Southampton's top scorer this season? Woodgate. Yeah. Adam Brozier. It's not Armando Brozier. Oh. <laughs> Adam Brozier. Adam, that famous <laughs> Albanian first name. It's not Armando Brozier, no. Uh, let's go with... Um, uh, who's Southampton? Southampton's top scorer this season. Uh, see, I kind of feel like it should be... Adam Brozier. That's <laughs> <laughs> a combination of Adam Armstrong and Adam Brozier. Oh, uh, mate, that's superb. Roger yeah. Salah. <laughs> I got two two names in my head, so let's we'll say go, one of them. Let's go with James Ward Prowse. Oh, he's got it as well. Yeah, James uh, Ward Prowse. Yeah. See, I thought that was a, a was like, go, weird yeah. little throw-off sort of question because he scores so many set pieces. Um, okay, number 17, Spurs. Who scored two goals, one in the 95th and one in the 97th minute to win a massive game away at Leicester when they were 2-1 down going into the last few minutes? Was it Harry Kane, Son Heung-min, Steven Bergwijn or Lucas Moura? Woodgate. That was George. It was Berg Bergwijn. It was Steven Bergwijn. Alistair, was that who you were going to say as well? I was going to say Lucas Moura. In which case, doesn't matter then. Um, okay, Watford. This is obviously this is a very Watford question. How? No options. This is off the top of your head. How many managers have Watford had this season? Okay, that is just Alistair. It's got to be something a bit more stupid. So I'm just going to say three. It is three. It <laughs> is guessing it. I have made one. It is three. Uh, Cisco <laughs> at the start, then Ranieri and then Hodgson. So how <laughs> good at guessing you are. <laughs> Alistair's getting really close to winning this by accident. 
<laughs> okay, West Ham. So two questions left. Both of these are multiple choice. Okay, so wait for the options. Okay. Number 19, West Ham. In West Ham's incredible run in the Europa League this season, who did they not beat at home? Okay. Was it A, Dinamo Zagreb, B, Genk, C, Sevilla, or D, Rapid Vienna? Clara. Clara. Um, Genk. It's not Genk. Ah, oh, my luck run out. <laughs> George, would you like the options again? Uh, no, I'll go with Sevilla. It wasn't Sevilla. Oh, they actually nice. beat Sevilla at home. It was Dinamo Zagreb. Oh, all right. Only team they didn't beat. So, and like I said, I don't know what the score is going into this last question. <laughs> I think Alice is Wolves are the last team. So, Wolves have had a bang average season this year. I think we can all agree. But how many points have they taken off of games against City, Chelsea, Liverpool and Spurs? Is it A, 0, B, 2, C, 5 or D, 7? Woodgate. Oh, Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm going to change my answer now. Oh. I'm going to go with B, two. It's not two. Oh, oh no. Alistair, zero, zero, five or seven. Can you, they, can you say the question as well? Yeah, so, how, so Wolves have had a really bad season, but how many points have they taken from games against Chelsea, City, Liverpool and Spurs? Zero, five, or seven. Oh. George is getting pissed so off. Oh, I don't know. Seven. Oh, it's not seven. It was five. Damn it. Uh, my second choice was oh. zero. Oh, wow. Well, there we go. I'm going to add up the scores from today's quiz very quickly. Um I need you two to fill some air. I need you two to fill some air time for a second. So talk about something. Hi, Alistair. How are you? (laughs) This is no, no, something for the listeners. I'll tell you what, next week we are wear a Birmingham shirt soon, which is not going to be very nice. Next week we are doing the team of the season for the Premier League, our own personal teams of the season, which we will then try and debate. Um, talk about that. (laughs) Okay. Any thoughts, mate? Who's going into <laughs> <laughs> on my mind right now? <laughs> the thought about well, a blues top is kind of killing me right now. I'm, yeah. I'm getting there as quick as I can. I um, you're sneakily feeling confident. I can. No, tell. I'm not actually. <laughs> I think you've nicked it. In your eyes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a team this season, you got. Are you putting a uh, Kevin De Bruyne in there as a as a definite shout? 100%. 100%. Oh my God, I don't believe this. Oh God, that doesn't sound good. It is a fucking draw as well. No, is it? You got six each. Uh, no, sorry, Alistair got seven and you got six, which takes you both oh, to 39. Put it in this lap. <laugh
See, he's called his name and he has no bloody idea. <laughs> Woods, Target, Gameresh. Um, I can't remember the defender. Woods, Target, Gameresh. Oh, um, what's his name? What's his name? <laughs> there are two more. Oh, oh, um, Kieran Trippier. One more. And, um, the centre back is. George, no. do you know this? Um, the centre back is. George, do you know this if he gets it wrong? Oh my God. Uh, this is literally whether you wear a shirt for the rest of the year or not. <laughs> I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Oh, shit. Got him from. I can't remember where they got him from Burnley. Ten seconds. Five, four, three. Say a name. Two. Dumb. Oh, oh my God. No, I thought you were going to fucking blurt it then as well. It goes to George. George, name the five. Oh, the five, right. Kieran Trippier, Bruno Grimeris, Matt Target, Chris Wood, Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne. George has won yes! the quiz. Come on. George has won the quiz with a beautifully round number of 40 points for the season. George Turner, round of applause for George. <laughs> Alistair Blackwell has, got to, uh, has now got to wear a Birmingham shirt for... All podcasts for the foreseeable future. Alistair, how do you feel, mate? I'm gutted, mate. I'm not going to lie because I, I should have remembered that. Oh. I was happy that I remembered Trippier. And even when... Do you know what, mate? Like, it's so funny because when when you said the question about Newcastle, how many sign-ins they made, I was going to say to you, do I get points for naming all the sign-ins? And I was like, because oh, I felt like I could have them and burn, man. I, I should have known that. I'm so gutted. So we'll talk about off-air how we're going to source you a Birmingham shirt. Uh, but Alistair will be wearing... It or something. Uh, we have Bellingham on it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course not. Uh, we'll be making it as bad as possible for you. But um, <clears throat> you'll have to wear that until the end of next season now, every week. Right. Because, you know, we'll start our next quiz at the start of next season. And then it goes to the end of the season, doesn't it? So... Dreadful. So you've you've got one year of wearing a Birmingham shirt once a week. That must feel crap. Yeah, I'm gonna hand in my resignation in the next uh, <laughs> podcast or two. So just a pre-warning. Next podcast or two is still enough time to see you in a blues shirt. So I'm happy. I think it's fair to say that Alice is feeling the burn. <laughs> He's feeling the blues as well. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely fantastic, gents. Well, next week we are going to be talking about the greatest number fours in Premier League history. And then we are also going to be talking about our own teams of the season from 1 to 11. Um, this has been a wonderful end to the season, but we will continue to go through the summer into next season. Once a week, every week, we will be back with a, uh, with a podcast. Um, Champions League final next week as well. Of course, we will discuss for part of the podcast. So don't forget to listen up for our feedback and our thoughts 
on the Champions League final between Real Madrid and Liverpool. But for now, I've been Toby Wellington. He's been Alistair, the Claret Crusader, wearing a blue shirt, Blackwell, George Woodgate-Turner. This has been the Flatback 3 podcast, and we will see you soon.